Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to CMO Moves. Today I'm talking with Stephen Wolf Pereira. I've been practicing this. I'm not sure I got it right, that but Stephen, great. help me out here. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> I, I, I seriously have been, I've been practicing, but this lovely gentleman is the CEO and co-founder at Encantos and was most recently CMO at Quantcast. And this is a giant change. So Stephen, hi, welcome to the show. And please let me know what you're doing now. Well, thank you for having me, Nadine, and it's a, a real pleasure. Obviously, you are kind of the Oprah of our industry and you talk to so many great folks. So it's an honor to be a part of the show. Well, I am thrilled that you're here, and I know we're going to go in some cool places. So um, let's talk about this new fun role of yours. Sure. We started the company back in September of 2015, and we are a family entertainment and education company building direct-to-consumer brands for today's multicultural world. And what it really is, is we want to create something that represents the modern definition of family. If you think about it, it's 2019, family looks different. You know, it's no longer your typical, you know, two, two parents, you know, two kids, white picket fence, you know, 1950s style family. You know, a family could be a single mom. A family today could be, you know, a mixed race couple. A family could be a gay couple. Just the definition of family is fundamentally different. And if you look at across America, over a third of the country is multicultural. And most importantly, you think about millennials, you know, Gen Y, Gen Z, and what is now being called Gen Alpha, you know, kids born after 2010, it is incredibly, incredibly diverse. The majority is diverse. So we really don't have anything out there that represents the modern definition of family. And that's what Encanto stands for. Wow, that's, that's not only amazing, but beautiful. So tell me a little bit more, though. What exactly is Encantos? Sure. So first off... We are purpose-driven and we are a B Corp. 
So similar to Patagonia or The Honest Company or any of those great direct-to-consumer brands like Allbirds or Casper, we are also a B Corp. And we actually took it a step further. There's better bureau designation B Corp certification, but there's also a a larger, uh, more important step, which is the legal way that you incorporate your company. And so it's still a C Corp, but uh, it's actually called a public benefit corporation. And so that's how we incorporated Encantos as a PBC. And the idea is we want to build brands that actually have purpose or a cause at the center. And we are going to make sure that we're giving back to whatever the cause is, you know, giving back to the community. And we really want to build a house of brands. You know, I had the privilege of working very closely with Mark Pritchard and, and P&G. And I always admired the house of brands that they had built with all these incredible household names, all these multi-billion dollar brands from Pampers to Crest to Pantene, you name it. Um, we really think that we could build family brands that will stand the test of time. And, you know, we feel like we're off to the races with our first brand, which was just nominated for an Emmy, the uh, Latino-inspired nursery rhyme brand called Canticos. Wow. An Emmy already. And, like, you literally just nominated. Emmy-nominated. I'm I'm giving you the Emmy. I want you to take it. (laughs) (laughs) We're working on it. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's awesome that you at least got nominated. I mean, wow, what an accomplishment. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just testament to the way that we're building brands, I think is very unique. You know, we are uh, a female majority owned company, um, something that we take a lot of pride in. We're also a multicultural owned and led company. We have a whole mix of talent. And, you know, from designers to developers, we really think that we're building a different type of studio that is, again, leveraging the way to build brands in this direct-to-consumer world. So I I applaud that um, very much so. You and I both share, uh, as well as many of the people we know, a passion around diversity and inclusion. I want to come back to that, but I want to keep going right now because you just launched another brand, right? Well, we gave a little bit of a sneak peek. So the whole idea is how do you really have something where families can share something with their kids. Back in the day, maybe it was kind of kids against, you know, their parents, you know, maybe, you know, for Gen X or, you know, for other generations, it was a different mindset. But today it's very different. I mean, you know, we live in generation lockdown, you know, with all the issues going around gun safety that we've spoken about. The whole idea of family is different because people want to share their experiences or share their culture. Um, You know, you see parents dressing their kids like mini-me's or sharing their music. Uh, it's, It's just fundamentally different. It's a much tighter family unit and people want to share things with their kids. And so Encantos is specifically focused on families and kids, you know, 14 and under. And the first brand, Canticos, was really all about uh, the benefits of bilingualism. You look at the stats today, one out of every two or three babies, depending on the state, uh, you know, obviously states like California and Texas, one out of two babies are Latino. Um, But everyone is trying to have their kids learn Spanish. You know, if you're a Latino family, obviously you're speaking Spanish at home and there's your grandparents or there's some type of cultural connection. And even if you're a non-Latino, you probably have your kids in some type of Spanish immersion or maybe your nanny's Latino or something like that. So bilingualism makes you smarter. And so that was kind of the insight behind that first brand. But the second brand is a travel inspired brand. And uh, it's near and dear to my heart. It's actually one that I'm the creator behind. And um, it's called Tiny Travelers. And we'll be launching it in the fall. But it's really meant to kind of bring geography, language, and culture to families and kids. Oh, I love it. I was taking a look at your sneak peek webpage. And it's very exciting. I can't wait to see when you actually fully launch it, all the places you will go. <laughs> uh, and you're also on the board of IDEA, right? Mm-hmm. 
Tell me a little bit about IDEA, and then I would like to hear your point of view on where you think we are in the DNI landscape. Sure. So, IDEA stands for Inclusion, Diversity, Equality, and Awareness. And um, it was really meant to be a bunch of different executives of color that came together and really wanted to have this conversation around diversity and inclusion from a business perspective. Because we truly believe that today, diversity is a business imperative. You, know, you cannot grow your brand no matter what industry you're in, whether it's beauty, whether it's retail, whether it's financial services, whether it's automotive, whether it's tech, you name the category, the growth engine is going to be multicultural. And you just, again, look at the math, right? I mean, I'm a data-driven guy. And if you see what the stats are across the country, whether it's the top 20 DMAs, they're all multicultural majorities. You obviously look at 18% of the country Hispanic, 13% African-American, 5 plus percent Asian. So all the numbers, all the growth is actually happening in these communities. And I just really feel that a lot of the DNI conversation tends to be an HR one. And there's you know, certainly nothing wrong with that, but we need to have many different types of conversations. And part of it has to be having the conversation of, do you have people of color, uh, you know, women and people of color at the board level, at the C-suite level, and specifically running P&Ls? Because I think that's where the most impact actually happens. And by having someone that will be you know, of the community, that will be culturally authentic, that can actually understand the consumer and help drive the business, it really is a growth conversation. And I feel that there aren't enough, enough of those conversations being held. So that's kind of part of the reason why a bunch of us got together to form IDEA. I love that. And when you guys all get together, what is it that you actually are, are trying to do? What are your objectives and how are you helping the industry? Yeah, well, we, we really are you know, inspired by lots of different folks in the industry. For example, what the ANA and the IAB do, what you actually do with CMO moves. You know, we really want to create a space for you know, what we affectionately call you know, kind of a black and brown community to come together and have these conversations. And we, we have real talk. And so whether it's talking about how to get that uh, VP level job that was running a P&L, you know, maybe that person had 25 interviews. And that was really, you know, kind of not the uh, normal number of interviews one should have, but you're, you're sharing real world experiences. Maybe it's just talking about something that has to do with a Hispanic ad or an African-American ad, and you actually didn't have anyone of color in the room making those types of decisions on that ad. It sounds really kind of... Um, prosaic, but these are things that are still happening in 2019. And we obviously see lots of brands stepping on their shoe, shoelaces and making some mistakes sometimes when they um, don't have the right people around the table. I could not agree more. And you and I have talked about this before, and it's a passion of mine to really strive to bring awareness. Um, and so not only just bring awareness, but help people act upon it. And I think there is a big disconnect sometimes when people say D&I, they tend to lump those two things together. They are vastly different. And yep. I've always said diversity is an action, inclusion is cultural. And what are some of the other examples that you're seeing that are probably simple things that people may not even realize that they're doing that is causing the community that they're working with to maybe not feel included? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, one, one of the mantras that we have it on, you know, the IDEA website is don't confuse motion and progress, right? If you actually look at the stats of, you know, women and people of color on corporate boards, 
in the C-suite, CEO positions, CMO positions, we're actually moving backwards. And it actually does not make sense given the stats that you actually see in terms of the population and certainly the demand and the growth. But it, it really is surprising that it's, there's many, many programs for people kind of coming out of college or you know, getting that first job, um, you know, kind of entry level stuff. But there is a leaky bucket. There is the retention issue. And something happens, you know, what I call, you know, because I do a lot of uh, career coaching, you know, you have your 20s where you work really hard. But somehow in your 30s, those are like the twilight zone years. And a lot of people end up going sideways. And they don't achieve this kind of escape velocity in their career to really get to that VP level, to run that P&L or get that overseas assignment. And then by the time you're in your 40s, if you've been going sideways for the better half of, of your 30s, you're not going to get that opportunity. And so you just see this kind of topping out, you know, you hit this type of ceiling and uh, a lot of folks end up also leaving industries. And so Caper Capital, um, Mitch and Frida Caper, who are probably, you know, one of the most prolific investors in women and people of color from, from a tech and startup perspective, you know, they actually talk a lot about the leaky bucket that you see in, um, in tech specifically, but it really could be for any industry. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. Uh, really good points you just made. So thank you for sharing that. Okay, so, so you clearly are a fan and committed to this topic. You clearly have created this company now in Cantos, which is a glowing example of a lot of diverse voices coming together with a purpose. So help me understand, how did you go from CMO of Quantcast to where you are now? Because on the surface, it sounds very, very, very different. But I mean, obviously, you've been in both places and successful in both places. So, so tell me about that. I think the journey is um, very winding and very long. And certainly when I started my career, uh, most people probably don't know, but I actually started investment banking and private equity. And so, um, you know, I went to Tufts University for undergrad and I was an international relations major and I thought I was going to go work for the World Bank. I was so passionate about economic development, poverty alleviation, you know, was really just obsessed with just income inequality. And I think part of it had to do with my upbringing because my family is from the Dominican Republic. My father was American, born in the Bronx, but all my family was really Dominican. And so when my mom came to the States in the 60s, after all the kind of tumult that was happening in the Dominican Republic, I met my father. You know, it was just really interesting to live in this kind of bicultural uh, world where we would speak pretty much only Spanish at home, but then I would go out in the world and it was all English. Um, and my mom had a very heavy accent. So it was just really interesting when people would ask, well, where's your mother from? And I'd be like, Dominican Republic. And they would look at me like I had five heads or something. Like they had no <laughs> idea where that was. I just didn't understand it. And so I was always really interested in just kind of how do you become a citizen of the world? How do you really build bridges with culture? And um, I always took that with me. And when I started in finance, it was um, doing a lot of initially uh, kind of technology, media, and telecommunications mergers and acquisitions, and I ended up doing a lot of work in Latin America. And so I think that was really my first foray into tech, but also it was my real kind of foundation of understanding business and finance and really working with CEOs or CFOs and people either trying to buy companies or sell companies and just gave me this great foundation to figure out how can you really you know, understand culture from a different lens. And I think it was really from there that 
I was just always interested in how do you use culture to connect people. Okay, so you, you started in investment banking and now you're the CEO of a family entertainment company. Like, tell me about that journey. How did you get to where you are today? <laughs> well, if you asked me when I was in banking, when I was 22, if I would be doing this, I definitely would have said no way. But, um, but I went from finance to technology because I was working in tech, media, and telecom. I ended up getting recruited by a company called Akamai. And I think from there, you know, going from finance to ultimately I got recruited to join um, Univision and so Univision for the native Spanish speakers. But that was uh, fun because uh, a woman by the name of Lisa McCarthy was the one that took a, a risk on me, if you will, because uh, I didn't have any media experience. And she was like, hey, you know, you seem smart. You seem to know something about tech. Why don't you come? And my role was to be the VP of business intelligence. And then a couple of months later, I was doing partnership marketing and working with brands and media agencies. And so that was really my first foray into this whole crazy world of marketing. And then ultimately, I joined Starcom MediaVest, um, part of Publicis. And that's where I was running the Walmart business and also all the multicultural business. I was in Bentonville, Arkansas, pretty much every week for like four years. <laughs> but I really got to learn the business of retail. And I forged a great partnership with Stephen Quinn, the legendary Stephen Quinn and Tony Rogers and Wanda Young and all these great folks that were there. And I also got a chance to work horizontally across the portfolio of StarCraft MediaVest. I worked with Mark Pritchard and the folks at Procter, with Coke, with Kraft, with Heineken, with Honda, with Microsoft. So it was this really great you know, proving ground. And it was only when, um, I guess, David Kenny, who's now you know, CEO of Nielsen, but he uh, looked at me, he said, hey, you know, I think you need to get back into tech. And that's when the data logics opportunity came along and I became a CMO there. Okay, so data logics, and this is fascinating. Keep going because that's not where you ended before Kentikos, right? <laughs> right. Well, you know, so data logics was just an awesome experience. Um, you know, we got to really pioneer a lot of things to do with purchase uh, data, and really started to show kind of targeting and measurement in a in a really effective way, connecting online and offline. And then um, data logics was bought by Oracle, so I was at Oracle for a bit. Then had the opportunity to, um, I was recruited by a public company called Newstar, and then Newstar got taken private by a private equity firm called Golden Gate Capital. And then around that time was when I joined Quantcast to, uh, to be their uh, chief marketing communications officer. And that, you know, Quantcast is an AI technology company. I think the common thread, you know, for all these different technology companies, I think the common thread is truly trying to understand how to package and tell a story for these incredible technologies. Um, you know, they'll have great engineering, they'll have great product, but a lot of times they don't know how to tell their story and they're, they're missing the why. You know, they'll focus a lot on the what or the how, but what is the why? You know, no one is waking up in the morning and saying, I need to buy some XYZ from X tech company. You really need to have meaning. And if you could find a way to make it relevant and really show how this is going to help another brand grow, whether it's, you know, the purchase data or identity or AI, whatever it is, but you have to find a way to make it relevant because CMOs, they have so many different folks trying to pitch them stuff. And it was never really about just focusing on B2B or B2C, my approach was always human to human. I love that human to human, H2H. I got to give a shout out to Brian Kramer too here because I remember when he first was talking about that many, many years ago, you know, it, it is such a great concept. It's so simple and yet so easily forgotten. It's incredible. So I'm so glad you said that again. Okay. So 
Stephen, I feel like you've lived a very long life after all that. I mean, how in the world did you do all that? And, and I know you said you have gray hair, but I know you're not old. I mean, and on top of that, you launched your business, like literally simultaneously for the last two years of your big CMO role. Like how in the heck do you manage it all? Well, this is really the power of teams, right? There is uh, no one that can do it all alone. And I really do believe in the saying, it takes a village. I see it in my personal life. Uh, you know, I just have no idea how you can raise uh, a child by yourself. It really takes a community, it takes a village. But it's the same thing with a company because that also you know, is effectively your child. And it turned out that when we had our, our first child, Sebastian, in 2015, it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks that there was no way for me to share culture with my son. And it really just was really eye-opening, especially for someone that had been around kind of media, marketing, advertising, entertainment. There really was nothing out there that was culturally authentic and that was really beautifully done. And so I was starting to work on the travel brand idea, what eventually became Tiny Travelers. And around the same time, a dear friend of mine who um, started her own creative agency back in the 2000s called the Vox Collective. Her name is Susie Hadamidio, and she is just this incredible artist, illustrator, animator. I mean, she does it all. She went to Pratt. She is just this incredible talent. And uh, she also had that same feeling when she had her first child. And she also started to work on a brand concept. And so she reached out to me in 2015 and was like, hey, I'm looking for some data. I need some stats. And she told me what she was working on. I told her what I was working on. And we just decided, wow, like it would be so more, more, much more powerful to join forces and have our two families do this together. And so that was really the start of Encantos. And we really set it up where it would be truly female majority owned. So of our 50% of the company, Nuria, my wife, and a much better half, she owns 60%, I own 40%. And Susie, she owns 60% and her husband owns 40%. And it truly has been this incredible partnership and purpose because we are really creating something that is culturally authentic. But we know that um, what we're putting out there is truly beautiful and that the community has really, really resonated with it. Wow. Okay. So you're working with all of the hottest technology, really diving deep into AI powered analytics. Hmm. And here you are starting at the very beginning of a brand journey. Tell me what you've learned that you pulled over and how you, you modify that for somebody who's in the early stages of building and launching a brand. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's really exciting because Actually, when, when we started this, it was actually um, back at Oracle in 2015. And, you know, ultimately it started to get some momentum, but we were really taking all the best practices that you see in Silicon Valley, the way you build products, which is really testing and learning and using data. And so we put out, you know, it was really interesting because we wanted to put out books. The way we actually build brands is really interesting. We have a cause at the center. And if you're familiar with the Japanese concept of ikigai, that really is the way that we frame our brands. So at the center is purpose. At the center is a cause. And then around that cause, we have content, we have curriculum, we have community, and we have commerce. And then we connect it with culture. And so that becomes the lens of how we build brands. That's part of our special sauce. And the way that we monetize a brand is with publishing, we you know, produce content, so um, it could be animated content that we license. We have uh, direct-to-consumer e-commerce. We have direct-to-consumer subscriptions, events, uh, sponsorships, and then consumer products that we make. 
or, or license and merchandise. And so understanding how to bring a brand to life, we seed everything with a book. And it was interesting when we started to take the first couple of books that we did, the mocks of Canticos, it would be scary to hear the comments that we received from some uh, old school publishers, you know, saying things like Latinos don't read. Why do you need to do this book in English and Spanish? It's not going to sell. Just everything that you can imagine. And it's really this kind of idea that you need to dumb things down, that high quality won't sell for a diverse marketplace. We just said, you know what, to hell with that. And so we had the good fortune that we could bootstrap this. We didn't take any outside capital and we actually built it right. And so my job as CEO is really to, to provide this kind of protective moat around Susie, who is our chief creative officer and president, and really give her the tools and the means to build incredible product that consumers are going to love. We want to go direct to the audience, to the community, and um, not be told, no, that you, you can't do something like this. And the North Star was really, if Apple had a baby brand, what would that look like? We want it to be beautiful. We want it to be premium. And we truly believe that multicultural done well is multicultural that is for the mainstream. Everyone will love it. It will be universally loved. And so that was really the way we started with the book. And it was really um, doing, you know, kind of data driven approaches where we would A-B test the content. We did uh you know, uh, a 3D animated video, we put it on YouTube, no marketing, and it got over 20 million views. And so oh that's, yeah, and so that's where we knew, hey, you know, we're on to something here. Like this, there, there is demand, there's a marketplace for it. You know, it's really the fans. It's really going direct to the consumer uh, in the literal sense of the word. And so if you really kind of zoom out, what are going to be the two most important trends of the 21st century? Of course, it's going to be digital, but diversity is the other most important trend. And I think a lot of folks forget that one. Wow. Okay. So when you said 20 million, I, I sort of jumped back and I'm sorry if I interrupted you in your train of thought, but you know, I have a, some really good friends at Shareability, which is a cool viral video company and they do a whole lot more nowadays, but they'd be the first to tell you that there is actually a secret to success because all of their videos, when they release them, I mean, they get a hundred million views. I mean, but that is not easy to achieve. And the fact that you did that with no brand, and you got 20 million views. I mean, I, hats off. That is a huge accomplishment and a huge testament. And it sounds like most of that was organic too. Yeah, I mean, we, we didn't have any money for marketing, right? So it had to be organic. We had to do a lot of A-B testing, but it was really trying to understand the audience. And I think that is really all the kind of skills and the things that you know we've seen great brands do over the past decade. It's really been this shift from media planning and buying to audience planning and audience buying. And again, audience buying is just, you know, programmatic. It's all biddable media. And you could do all this stuff on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and all those tools are out there. But the exciting part is the audience planning. How do you truly understand your audience? And there are a lot of great brands that you know, I've had a chance to work with that are actually doing that stuff. And so that's, you know, what we want to really do is apply those kind of best practices to how we build brands at Encantos. I love it. So many things we could chat about. I would love to dig in more, uh, but... Unfortunately, we are coming close to being out of time. So before I ask you my last question, let me turn it over to you. Is there anything at all you want to share today, either a tip for success or something that you think is really important for future development um, or both uh, with the audience today? You know, I, I really think it's just something as simple and I think you do it well. I think so many people in our industry do it, but it really is asking, how can I help? 
And it's funny when you realize that you don't have the power of a huge brand behind you or you don't have a platform, you know, to go from a big company to a startup, you learn certainly a lot of things. You learn a lot about yourself. You know, being an entrepreneur is hard. It's not for the faint of heart. But every step along the way, if you could ask wherever you are in your career, how can I help and make sure you're giving back in some way? I feel like that's been the most beneficial thing and it's really um, paid dividends because now when I ask someone, hey, can you help me out? Like people are willing to because I feel like I've been able to kind of certainly do my part to help folks across the industry. So always ask, how can I help? And then the second thing would be really understand what are your superpowers? You know, I talk a lot about this. I did a TED talk on it about how to really kind of understand what your superpowers are and it's really come in handy because if you understand what your true strengths are, what really makes you unique and what is your craft, I feel like that helps you understand your why, your true north. And that's something that I feel really blessed that I'm now pursuing that in Encantos. I love it. Okay, so I, I lied. Um, I'm not going <laughs> to give you my last question because I'm too, I'm too interested and I got one more thing I just remembered I can't forget to, to ask you about. What is your superpower? Like, because now you said that, I have to know. What is your superpower? <laughs> So I, I think most people would agree I am a connector. And so, you know, I love to see kind of connections in data, you know, to understand the patterns in the data. But uh, more importantly, I like to see the connections with people. And so uh, if anyone ever asks, hey, can you help me with this? Or I'm looking to connect with this type of person. Or do you know this person? Usually I like to think that I'm kind of a human LinkedIn and I'll be able to be, you know, at least one degree of separation from getting to the right person, but really trying to help people connect. It's the kind of thing where, you know, you do it freely and willingly and hopefully you put some good karma out into the world. I 100% agree. So let's talk about three of our connections, shall we? This is like, let's play a game, like six degrees of separation. In this case, it's one degree separation. I'm going to give you three names. I want you to say something about all three of them. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> like lightning rounds like bonus lightning round it is a bonus lightning I, i've never thought of doing this before but it's such a great idea I, we'll, we'll see how this turns out but okay three names antonio lucio pam kaufman kyle wong so antonio lucio is yoda <laughs> is just you know the jedi master i don't know anyone who is more wise more humble more giving and more purposeful than Antonio. He, um, he has really helped me kind of understand how to be not just a better marketer, a better leader, but a better human. And he's just a really special human being. So I just, I can't say enough good things about him. That is awesome. And we're going to come back to one other thing on Antonio, because I believe there was a roast involved um, just uh, recently. So let's talk about that. But, and I think Pam Kaufman was also there too. So Pam Kaufman is up next. So Pam Kaufman is truly Wonder Woman. She is an absolute superhero. She is someone that I want to be when I grow up. Uh, She just is uh, a true friend and partner. She, just to kind of show you how amazing this woman is, she saw what we were doing with Canticos and I was like, hey, you know, we're thinking of, you know, taking this to maybe some different places. And she's like, well, why aren't you going to show this to us? And it was thanks to Pam that we actually did this partnership with Nickelodeon. And so now Canticos is exclusively distributed across Nick Jr. platforms. And we will be coming out with a consumer products line in the fall through our partnership with Nick. But, um, but you know, Pam is a very special, special person. Absolutely agreed, 100%. And Kyle Wong. 
So Kyle Wong is, you know, kind of truly the next generation. I mean, this is someone who is off the charts smart and is just super humble about it. And, you know, these are the folks that just really make you feel like, you know, kind of, all right, I'm really dumb. I need to go back and really like look up all the things that he just said because he really is what, you know, kind of the future looks like. I mean, again, like everyone should be lucky to have like a Kyle mentoring, you know, doing the reverse mentoring uh, to them. And certainly he's done that with me. So I remember when I first met Kyle, and the reason I threw that at you is as you were talking about connections, I remember when I first talked to Kyle, he was talking about you. And it's funny how this is such a small world and people who don't know Kyle, Kyle is the CEO of Pixly, which is an incredible new platform and um, actually was the, he was such a big help to me when I was thinking through my business and brought such a fresh perspective. And I also stole Julian Gamboa from him because he said, I have this great young talented guy here. And I said, I'll take him and look at, look at Julian now. And he's at ad week full time. So I, I owe Kyle a lot. And I was just, it was funny. It was, we think about all these different degrees of separation. So let's come back to Antonio and Pam for a second. And then I want to, and then I'm going to close out with my last question. Sure. A roast. What yeah. happened? All I know is that Antonio had uh, a lot of fun. We had uh, four roasters. It was uh, Antonio Lucio. It was Alvin Bowles, also from Facebook. Uh, Julie Fleischer, who's now at WW, and uh, the one and only Lisa McCarthy. So um, let's just say that uh, they all had lots of material. And uh, I, I know that uh, Antonio had a lot of fun um, poking uh, fun at my everything from my hair to uh, to my using of peppering Spanish phrases throughout everything I say and do. So um, it, it was a fun night at my expense, had by all. I love it. I love it. That's fantastic. I'm sorry. I, I was not there to see it myself. That sounds amazing. Okay. So last question for you. And I'm almost afraid to ask this because it could be God knows what. Um, but if money and talent were no object, what would you be doing? So I definitely feel that Encantos is laying the foundation for it because we are a family entertainment and education company, but I would be teaching. It would be something with education, um, something to truly give back. I, I feel that everyone has talent, but not everyone has opportunity and education really is the bridge. You know, I believe Nelson Mandela said education is the most powerful weapon we can use to change the world. And so um, I really feel that we are really in a crisis of education. As Sir Ken Robinson, who is this incredible British professor, he has, I think, the most widely watched TED Talk, something on schools killing creativity. Please watch it if you haven't seen it. But he talks a lot about, you know, the difference between people focusing on the task of teaching versus the actual achievement of learning. And I feel like if we could do a better job of really touching, moving, inspiring kids to be more creative, these are the, the critical skills that folks are going to need in the 21st century. If this is truly going to be the dawn of the AI era, where anything, you know, that can be automated will be, the things that can't be automated will be creativity. It'll be problem solving. It'll be the things that humans are really great at. And so now more than ever, we really need education to be at the forefront. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, we do need to spend more time thinking about enabling and, and empowering learning. It reminds me again of my friends over at Shareability. They put out a, a video with a, a, a wonderful poet called The People Versus the School System. It got 200 million views because we all agree there's something wrong that we need to fix. Yeah. So, Stephen, I so appreciate you being 
on the show today. I, I'm enlightened and I'm delighted to have had this time to chat with you. No, thank you so much, Nadine. And honestly, this is really a valuable contribution to the community. If there's anything that is truly helping people understand, you know, more than the, the tweet, you know, kind of the very cursory, you know, kind of byline, like this is where you, you're really able to kind of get to know someone in a deeper way. And I just really appreciate the opportunity to share my thoughts. Oh, absolutely. And we will be back because there's a lot more for us to talk about. So until then, have a great rest of your day. Likewise. Thank you. Gracias. Thanks. Hey there. Are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Market.